Hey guys, do me a favor. Follow Oklahoma Backroad Explorer on Instagram. Right now he's got 2,100 followers on the dot. 2,100 followers. Now my man does a great job taking photos of the beautiful, beautiful state of Oklahoma. And I would appreciate, he would appreciate if he had a few more followers on his social media platform. He's also on Twitter at tornado underscore Dave. And if you follow him and you're interested in buying some of his work, putting it up in your office, putting it up in your house, doing whatever you want to do with it, message him on Instagram or Twitter and tell him that you heard it on the Inside OU podcast and he will give you 25% off of an 8x10 print, which would put it at $15 or you can get free shipping on a wooden cutout of the state of Oklahoma, which is a great looking shape. Thank God this isn't Wyoming because that's just a boring square. Thank you all for listening to the Inside OU Podcast. Here's the show. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. It's the... I don't know, the second, third, fourth f***ing off-season podcast. It's one of them, but we're here at Vanessa House at our favorite brewery in downtown Oklahoma City where they are about to launch an awesome, awesome stout because tis the season for stouts. I am a stout man myself. It's called the Powers Out. In commemoration of that fun time that we all... We kind of just sat in our dark apartments or dark homes or, you know, dark caves and got on Twitter and talked to each other, kept each other company because Oklahoma and ice storms don't mix. But the Powers Out Stout will be at Vanessa House tomorrow. It's a vanilla stout and it is yummy. Keegan doesn't even like stouts and he drank his so fast that he spilled it all over the table. I did. I did spill it. Sober though. Kind of. Definitely not drunk. Kind of. Definitely not drunk. I hope not. It's 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock on it's Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday. Albeit it's Thirsty Thursday. And it's Thursdays at Vanessa House. Yeah, I know. It's fun. On 8th Street here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's on one of them streets. I can't count. I mean, there's a hideaway pizza right there. I can kind of see a sign that says hideaway. Hey, I drove through the uh, Paseo District down here for the first time. And that's, Didn't where, see I, that. that's where I live. Right? Do you? On the outskirts it? of the Paseo, yeah. Is that is that still considered Paseo? Yeah, I mean, the neighborhood might be called something specific. Like, there's sure. Mesta Park, but Heritage Hills is in Mesta Park. I mean, I, I just call it Mesta Park. Anytime you just pull up a map of Oklahoma City, my apartment is in the area where the big words Paseo yes. kind of overlay. So. Yeah, I saw it. Like, I've never driven through where the Paseo sign is. It's pretty nice. Pretty artsy, isn't it? Yeah. They like their different. art, don't they? A little bit different. It's okay. I think they'd like that. I think they'd like that description. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they, I don't I do. know. I don't know who they are. I'm not a Paseo fiend. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not really. I don't really belong to anything except for this podcast. Oh, okay. And uh, th- you know, it's one of those things where I have to remind everybody to, oh, be a doll, just be a doll, and leave a five star review because Keegan keeps crying about it, and I, I'm tired of him crying. Did we get any more one star reviews because of my Twitter activity? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like, that is clearly a joke, or that is clearly a salty person. Either way, I welcome it. That was pretty but good. It, it was, like, one of those things where, like, if this is a joke, initially I was like, if it's a joke, hey, man, that kind of, like, ruins our rating with it. 
once I kind of looked at it and I was like, you know what, I'll take it. I kind of want to frame it. It's it's kind of, it was I mean it's a joke in itself, which is the best part about what happened. I mean this podcast is a gigantic joke in the first place. Is it? I mean it is to me. Uh, mm. It's not to me. <laughs> oh man. Well, Brady. It's yeah. It's, it's the off it's, it's the season it's where we have to talk about the portal the and like season. they're lifting weights in Austin. You know they're they're getting down to brass tacks. Like, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to. <laughs> They've helped uh, elevate the uh, coaching market for contracts. They've at least helped that. We we didn't need any bigger contracts. What, for what were the terms coaches. for Sarkeesian? Not what Sarkeesian got. Did you see what Jeff Banks got today? No. Three years. Who the hell is Jeff Banks? He is the... Special teams guy? Special teams guy. Recruiter from Alabama. He is the one that helped land Chase McClellan and Carmara Wheaton. You know... Okay, so when you say recruiter... From Alabama. There you go. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not going to get into this business of like, they just pay everybody. Look, I wish sure. OU would just pay their players when they're recruiting, but we can't because we know why. I'm sure they can probably give the money after the fact that they've signed, but that's just me speculating. I don't really know. Yeah. We don't use Twitter or Instagram activity. No, no. I, trainers don't get money no. from OU until their their player is actually, you know, their client is actually <laughs> on campus signed. Like, that is me speculating. But See, this is where you can put up the old part of the intro to the podcast where I say compliance I don't condone. Or you do don't condone, condone this. Yes. No, like, this is the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> No, but I'm not going to get on here and say it's not fair. They get to pay their players or whatever whatever they do to get players to come to Alabama. But here's the thing. Players just want to go to Alabama because they're f***ing Alabama. <laughs> they're good. Well, sure. But we at this point, like, the Kamar Wheaton thing, again, this is – They didn't even know that they had him. No, sure. My point is, though, is after he committed, whatever, whenever you go to the first story written about him, which was by Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com, the recruiting coordinator at the high school is the one that was talking. He was the one that was giving quotes. Kamar didn't even give quotes. So, that, I mean, it's he so... He doesn't bla- speak. It's so blaringly obvious about what, what was happening in that recruitment. And I think I said this. I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I would want to know what happened in the final three weeks of that of the, his recruitment. I Behind the scenes, it had to have been just yeah. nuts. I mean, because everybody was talking about how Kamar wasn't talking, Kamar wasn't talking. Well, someone was talking. There was clearly something going on. It's just what was going on and who's going to be the one that's going to kind of blow the whistle on that. But it's – Brady, it's well, – Texas, 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 it is – I mean, it, it's true. Texas couldn't get Nick Saban back in 2014 – or whenever that was, whenever Mac retired. And they push, 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 push to get him. So they said, okay, well, now that you have your best coaches that you've ever had on your roster, we're just going to take all the guys that you wanted. And they're doing it. Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks is probably one of the biggest, most known guys on Alabama's coaching staff, Brady. I mean, he is a – he's a special t- – sorry. He's a special teams coach. <laughs> That's a great recruiter. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. They hire, it sounds like they may be getting Bo Davis, the, the other guy that has a show cause for recruiting violations. Texas is going all in, which I respect. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that would listen that listen to this podcast that would say, man, I wish Oklahoma would do that. Yeah, I mean, it's the way the game is played. It's the way the game has always been played. Mm-hmm. I mean, as somebody who's read Bootlegger's Boy like twice in his life, like I get it. Coaches, like head coaches are not – 
directly, for the most part, involved with quote-unquote cheating. And I, I even hate calling it cheating because if that's the way the game's played, then it's not cheating. You just don't be dumb and don't get caught. And, of course, don't do something deplorable like get prostitutes for high school kids or... Breaking news. What's going on? Urban Meyer is now the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I couldn't give... I mean, <laughs> let me let me think. Let me, let me look at my phone. No, I couldn't give less of a f***. Anyway, so... I mean, when's Urban Meyer going to like forget this one? Or when is oh, he's like, wait a minute? I'm with you. No, on no, no. Wait a minute. You mean if one of my players gets in legal trouble, it doesn't affect the team? Like it doesn't affect me? No, it doesn't. These are adults, and they're professional. Oh, sign me up. See, see, you were closer to more like being involved and it directly affecting you. The 2008 Oklahoma Florida game, right? Just a who's who of like. Fellowship Christian Athletes over there. Yeah, (laughs) so my point is, I didn't realize it was that bad out down there in Florida. Like, Uh 31 players arrested during his time there. That's bad. That is, how can you you run a football program and allow that kind of stuff to happen? Well, I mean, even one name that wasn't um, a part (laughs) of that 31, I mean, Cam Newton, I mean, he didn't get arrested, but... He did he steal something. Yeah, stole a laptop out of a he person's stole a dorm room. Right? Laptop and got kicked out of school for yeah. it. Didn't he throw it outside out of the window or something? Yeah. Was the story? Yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. No, so yeah, the reason why I brought that up originally was because my whole point with what Texas is doing. And look, if I'm a Texas fan, I'm excited for these hires. But it's going to be interesting to see these re- these guys that we consider great recruiters because they are. That's according to their track record. What's it going to be like when they're not selling the Alabama brand? Because, I mean, Kamar Wheaton's a perfect example. Kamar Wheaton didn't, I mean, according to... You're going to hate me for saying this, Brady, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but they're going to sell the Alabama brand for at least, they get a full year to do it. I'm sure, but now you as, go we've seen, as we've seen with Texas forever, not just in the last five or six, seven years, but as we've seen with Texas forever, yeah, they're going to get some good recruits. Oh, Texas always does i mean the last year and a half or two has been pretty atypical for their recruiting cycles but i mean every time when charlie strong got hired they had some strong recruiting clashes when tom herman got hired they had some strong recruiting classes these are just adrenaline shots into their dead program not dead it's not like nebraska but it's close it's almost there they're on the cliff yeah if if sarkeesian fails in three or four years or if it's just apparent that they're not better than ou and OU just continues to get better and better and better, then, sure. yeah, then, then they could be dead. Here's but the, the, uh, but once, once those players don't, if they get there, you know, a good recruiting class, and they don't get the results on the field, you can't sell that Bama shit anymore. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, you're not Alabama anymore. You are assistant coach at UT. You are assistant assistant coach at UT. What have you done for me lately? So, again, if I'm a Texas fan, I'm excited, but – we will see. Here's the thing, and I, I said this earlier. Everybody was came out first year, right, for Tom Herman, 11-1, 10-2, this and that, whatever. And I appreciate that. Like, if, you know, as a, if you're a Texas media member and whatever, like, I get it. Like, you're, you're, you believe it as well. But at the same time, though, Brady, they just got to go beat, go beat Louisiana week one. Like, Again, game by game. If Texas would just take that mentality, because I promise you, like, okay, again, this season, Brady, take Oklahoma season, this, for example. Oklahoma loses two games. Yes, world was ending. However, 
Oklahoma just took it game by game after that. You could tell their program. They they get that. They have that wire to where we're not talking. Oklahoma's if they don't want to be if if they don't feel like they're up to that standard, they're not talking about Big Twelve championships. They're not talking about this. They start talking about game to game to game. Yeah. And then once it's all said and done, you start seeing Lincoln Riley get more and more smug as the season goes on. It's been the same way for four years now. Is that this program kind of gets that Texas has always been okay? What's the next big thing? Like what? Are, okay, we're gonna we, we want a Sugar Bowl. Okay, now we're gonna go win a national championship. That's our expectations. Oh, well, we just won the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, no, you know, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Gonna go to the Sun Bowl next year. So, so my point is that Texas has to be able to understand where they're kind of at right now, and I, I'm at least hoping that Texas people and I get that they're spending a ton of money, but if they just if they can give Sarkeesian four years of just kind of just no pressure no maybe year three yes well you know what i'm saying but yeah they just again every year they've done this where they go okay now this is the year for texas okay you go lose to maryland all right you lost to maryland again lose to lsu you don't have to go through uh you know any non-conference games this year but because here's the big thing Brady. here in the next couple couple years alabama's coming to town for texas ohio state's coming to town michigan's coming to town and th- those need to be games to where Texas has a it, at, they're at the point of their development of this program to where they can get on the field and compete. That should be the goal. And yep. I don't think that that's going to be the goal because of what I'm hearing out of down there in Texas. And it's just, it's like, I get you're spending a lot of money, which also raises expectations, but guys, Louisiana's good. Like that's a good football team. Arkansas is a good football team. Like you got to, just temper them, temper those expectations back for just a little bit. Yeah, and that's something that Texas never does is have a realistic approach to what's going on. <laughs> no. They never do. I and, know. And it's really – it's not necessarily the team's fault. It's not necessarily the coaching staff's fault. It's just the administration. It's the boosters. It's the people that actually run things down there. So, um, I mean, maybe we will see. Maybe they've learned after two failed coaching hires. I mean – some success, but a lot of failure. Um, maybe they'll come back down to earth, but I'm, I'm they won't. But let's move into let, let's talk about the national title game for a second, Keegan. I mean, mm. I don't want I don't want this to be mm. college football podcast or whatever. This is an OU podcast, but um, put it up on YouTube. I will, <laughs> I will. You know, I'll admit, like I'm drinking the Kool Aid about this 2021 team, like I have been for the last three years. You know, when you know Spencer Rattler and all these five star receivers are coming in, and at the time, you knew that the writing was on the wall, that Mike was going to be gone, and that if they get a competent defensive coordinator, well, if you're banking on the fact that maybe this squad, maybe the talent that's already here, just needs a different voice, at the very least, if they can just be average, and Lincoln Riley's offense can continue on this pace that it's on, well, 2021 is where it should all coincide into the defense has had two or three years with a new coordinator, so improvement. And then the offense is going to be a Lincoln Riley offense with Spencer Rattler in his second year. So you hope 21 is where it happens. I've been drinking the Kool-Aid ever since. But, man, watching Alabama just (laughs) destroy (laughs) an elite Ohio State team, just destroy. They're playing a different game, and I know those guys are going to be gone. They're all but, gone. But they're replacing them with guys that OU wanted. They're replacing them with guys sure. that LSU, Florida, Ohio State sure. wanted, that everybody wanted. They're, dude, they're playing a different game. And so when I see that, I'm thinking, 
okay, LSU in 2019, you know, that was like one of the best teams ever assembled. I mean, Alabama 2020 is damn near up there, but maybe we're just so accustomed to Alabama's success that it just didn't seem that amazing. And so when I see that game and I'm thinking, well, OU, you know, is going to have a big chance next year, this team improved, and I'm high on this team, but that is a different cat what Alabama threw out there. Okay, so here's, again, I think the biggest thing to recognize here is that, yes, the players are gone, but if Pete Golding takes that job, that's probably as what we're seeing from Alabama fans. They see that as a sedition by subtraction sort yeah. of deal. Yeah. But losing Sarkeesian, the thing that made Alabama really good this year was that the offense was historic to match up with a, a really, really good defense. And, like, the biggest thing, you go back and look at Alabama and the national championships that they've, they've won and they've lost. There's been a lot of coaching turnover. Whenever Saban doesn't put the right staff around them, they tend to struggle. And they can take these years of attrition with the coaching staff, but this is going to be such a big hit. It's going to be interesting. I mean, Bill O'Brien, like, don't get me wrong, is he a, probably a good offensive mind that needs time in college to sort of reinvent himself? Sure. But you got to do that with a new quarterback that doesn't know Bill O'Brien's systems, that's a freshman that's 19 years old, replacing with an entire new offensive line, your two best wide receivers, the best running back, maybe the best player in college football. It was sort of my take about Najee Harris, and that's no shine on way and, on Devontae Smith. But And you know how all year long you and I would just kind of occasionally talk about, man, Spencer Rattler just needs to either get a tad bit quicker, a tad bit bigger. You know, it's not a, a short thing. It's just kind of like he just looks small on sure. TV. Sure. Bryce Young <laughs> – <laughs> he looked small. He looked like a child, man. And like I said it on Twitter, like when he came out there for the victory formation, I was like, he makes Spencer Rattler look like Jalen Hurts. And I think some people took that the negative way. And if you know me, you know that I love Jalen Hurts, unlike you know some people that I'm looking at. I meant that purely physically. <laughs> he makes Spencer Rattler look like a gigantic mega human. So a new offensive line with Bryce Young at quarterback. It's... It's. I mean, it's he, not just he that. will get bigger. You know, he's going to get older. It's know. not just that. It's that they have road games, and you're going to hate me for saying this, Brady. I'm not drinking the Kool Aid for this season. I'm just drinking the Kool Aid a little bit for the future. Alabama has to go on the road to A and M next year with a crowd. Freshman quarterback. I, mean, I I hope so. You hope A and M wins that game. No, no, no. I hope that there is a full crowd in sure. every stadium. No, and sure, it's, sure. And it's not just the South doing it. You yeah, know? you know. <laughs> Everybody. Sure. <laughs> sure. But it's it's one of those things, man, where for the first time it really does feel like this might have been like the tip top for Alabama. And I just don't know how they get back to where they were at this year because we've had the question for two years now is how does Oklahoma get back to what they were doing in 2018 well, the question is, is you got to get back to what they were doing in 2017 first. And 2018 was historic. One of the most, it's the most efficient offense in college football history, even more so than um, what they've done or what Alabama and LSU have done the last two years. So um, with that being said, I'm with you. I think this roster, you can work a way around this offensive line, whether Wanya Morris, anybody that listened to the Patreon, where Josh, I basically was like, it's happening. Let's see what happens in the next five days or so. I, the A&M stuff is 
wild. I didn't see it coming. Wait, did you say A&M or ATM? I'm sorry, I, I'm my my headphones. You know, we had some technical issues. I, w- say that again. I was talking about like driving tires being flat, nails. Oh, oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, that is such a nuisance. Yeah, he, so he couldn't it make it to Norman, day. but he's gonna turn left and drive with a flat tire to that. Oh, day, well, to that day, you know yeah. what? As long as you get to you know from A to B. So regardless, to, I, from A to M, I, we're know? not saying that this is over. People that listen to this, I don't know if it is or isn't. Um, at this point, I, I based off what we both I think have heard, I can tell you I've heard some pretty strong indication that Wanya Morris was going to be or Wania, I don't know how you say it, is going to be heading to Oklahoma. We'll see how that turns out. So let's just retool this offensive line, and this is what I kind of went through with Josh McQuiston, um on the Patreon on the podcast. Which was really good. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it came out really, really well. I think we touched on basically everything that everybody wanted to hear about um, between a, a conversation between him and I. So, um, but at left tackle, if you can land Morris, he's your left tackle. If not, then Anton Harrison's there. It might be their best bet if Stacy Wilkins doesn't pan out to move Eric Swenson to right tackle and start him. Which is why not keep Swenson at left and put Anton Harrison at right since you've been all like that's Harrison's that's natural Harrison's position. natural position. Yeah, just I think Harrison, you want the longer athlete on the left. Okay. Eric Swenson's yeah. going to be pulling more as a right tackle, um, so he's going to be doing more run blocking, which is probably fits him better. Uh, than than the what pass blocking has been the last couple of years. So, it's and then obviously if that doesn't work out, you can move Hanton Harrison to left. You can kick Tyrese Robinson out to right tackle. You could have Marquise Hayes at left at uh. left guard. You could have uh, Chris Murray at center and Andrew Raymond at right guard. There's a group there that can you could probably find your best. What Oklahoma needs is Oklahoma needs Stacy Wilkins to step up this offseason. Yes, he is your left tackle. You can move Anton Harrison to, uh, Anton Harrison to right, and you can get the three guys in the middle that you want with Marquise Hayes, Chris Murray, and um, Andrew Rame. So here's the thing, Bernie. I don't know if I've said it. There isn't hasn't ever been a really good national championship football team without a dominant offensive line. That's yep. what's missing. That yep. that all of it's combined. The wide receivers drops. The stuff we've talked about with Rattler, the running backs, the run blocking, pass blocking, it is all combined together. But it's very apparent that Oklahoma just doesn't have the nastiness, specifically that, up front. And I'm not talking about them physically dominating people. Marquise Hayes and Creed Humphrey are the only two guys throwing people around this year. That needs to be all five guys. And if it's not all five guys, it's very apparent that Oklahoma can't go be the offensive line they want to be, which is going to, which it's what's the going to be the difference between them winning a national championship or not? Yeah, and like the other thing with OU is just we're assuming all this stuff, like guys stepping up, guys being put in this position, um, guys improving, you know, like the receiving core especially because the receiving core was, I mean, I think I gave them a B, a B plus on the report card pod you did with Ryan Chapman last week. Uh, but if you, <laughs> I don't, I hate to dog on them, but if Theo Weiss catches six of those, you know, ten drops, you know, it's probably a low A when you're looking towards next season of like, man, this this we're, five star. We're probably talking about Oklahoma playing a national championship game. Yeah, I mean, or having the, a realistic a cha- chance, chance to jump into the top we both four said and then I'm get their ass kicked. But well, yeah, sure, I wanted to say, like, we said before the season, and I still stick by this, I thought the window opened in 2020, and it did. The problem was is the offensive line didn't play that well. You had some defensive issues early in the season. This team was capable of I th- – like, I'm not going to say they could have gone out and beaten Ohio State. No, I don't. I don't think that could have happened. I don't think they could have beat Alabama either. But were they probably the third best team? I think there's – I think at the end of the season – 
with the way Clemson was playing defense, what we saw in Ohio State, you're telling me Lincoln Riley with two weeks to prepare couldn't go out there and put up 30 in the first half with Spencer Rattler. Like, that's what, I guess that's where my head's going to be at for the next maybe 365 days is that whenever – if Oklahoma can go undefeated, Brady, he gets two weeks to prepare for a defense with an elite offense, this and that, whatever. That's way too big picture. But just in general, I, Brady, I, I'm with you. I'm not going to say I'm sitting here drinking the Kool-Aid. They've got some questions, and it's crazy. I said this with Sam and Chisholm on Monday. I'm worried about the Oklahoma offense, not the Oklahoma defense. The no, no, Oklahoma no. offense, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's not. Look, you know, again, I go back to what I just said. Like, where we we assume this improvement's going to happen with some guys. We assume guys are going to step up. We assume X, Y, or Z. But this is all under the additional assumption that guys don't get hurt in the off season, sure, or guys don't get in trouble in the off season. And you know, if you follow college football for a long time, you know the off season is long, and you're you're depending on 40, 50, 60 guys in their late teens, early 20s to not get hurt and to straighten up and fly straight, especially after, you know, a great end of the season, six consecutive Big 12 championships. You know what I wish would have happened is after the season ended two weeks out, we could have gotten Oklahoma A&M, like met somewhere. Allen, we'll talk about Allen, that in a second. Allen High School or somewhere, somewhere. We'll talk about that in a second. But – this is all under the assumption that all those things happen. Like last off season, Caleb Kelly gets hurt. Anything? Did anything else happen other than Caleb Kelly, where there was a serious injury or a player get in trouble with the law? I don't think anybody got in trouble. Former player. Former player got in trouble. Oh, Roy. <sighs> that was that was ugly. By the way, I hope there's I hope I, there's no one that has to write anything like that this year. But. It's it's hard to get through an offseason unscathed. Hey, and Oklahoma's my, been good. Oklahoma has not had guys get in trouble the last. That's three, true, four and years. I, I'm not. I don't just walk under the assumption that oh, they're they're this close to being troublemakers or anything. Like it's not that. I think it's the just, last it's just, big it's, deal was Marcellia Sutton. I was at the Daily that summer. Well, Perrion Winfrey got, was suspended for how many games this season where he didn't start? The first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> and he's coming back, yeah. which I'm happy for, but he didn't start, what, four or five games? And that's the classic. You you either skip class or something to do academically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray, oh. wake up. Anyway. Oh, that was a great day. <laughs> what a day that was. No, uh it's to me it just like OU's chances are incredibly thin. So much has to go right. Now we can be pessimistic and you know and predict that way, or we can be optimistic too. You know, guys that they've recruited can come in and make impact plays day one that we are not foreseeing at this point. Like Stutzman, you the question really high on him and um, I wasn't. I made sure to say that. I wasn't, but he Oh, that's was. true. Yes. Well, I, I will say he did mention something that I actually – I'm glad that he said it because it's something that I always look for the, the few times I watch film, um, especially with high school kids. But there is something to be said about players that – especially defensive players that thrive on contact, but they their contact plays are when it's a dog pile. He seeks it out. Yeah. So he's the type of player. I mean, not necessarily like four or five star wise. What was he? A three star, four star? So he was. That was Josh's big thing. He was a five point six three star, right? Which is like there's a five point seven 
three star, so he was a step under a, what a, like a high three star would be. And, yeah. and Josh said he sent him a Rivals two fifty recommendation. Yeah, is that not nuts? Well, like when I watched that shows recruiting this year. That's what I was telling him on the pod. Like evaluations were so tough. So mm-hmm. like recruiting rankings are going to be completely skew- screwed up this year. Well, I mean, who gives a damn about my opinion? But when I hear Alex Grinch say that he's one of the most underrated players, if not the most underrated player in the country coming out of high school. And you hear all these people that are close to the program say, like, hey, he could be a guy who could play day one or be in the running for a starting job yeah. day one. When I hear that from Grinch and I watch the tape, I'm like, I see it because that is the type of player OU wants. It's just a player with that attitude, a player with that ability and that desire to get his nose dirty. Because OU, like Brian Asimo, a great player. You know, really came he on. He was much at, higher on Osamoa than I than I think you and I were. Yeah, I mean, Osamoa just never really did anything bad. Yeah, he was just so close. You could tell he was he always was close. close. God, he was he about just, to blow someone's head off. He just doesn't have the. Uh, I, I don't want to call it the nasty because this is when we get into the, the silly nasty. Cliche. He just doesn't have that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Ryan Reynolds had it. Curtis Lofton had it. Travis Lewis did not. Well, it's just an innate ability to finish plays. I mean, you go take a guy's head off, go take a guy's head off. Yeah, or even if you get blocked, like if you if you get blocked, you're still influencing the play. You might make the running back bounce outside. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you just get touched, you're not out of the play. I mean, bless his heart, Kenneth Murray, that happened the first two years of his career. Third mm-hmm. year, he cleaned it up a little bit. But no, no, no. We can be pessimistic or we can be optimistic, but this early in the offseason – after just watching Alabama dismantle Ohio State, I'm just like, I mean, OU, I, they've got Spencer Rattler, and they've got Lincoln Riley, so I guess that's a good enough chance. So, and obviously this is the second sort of podcast that we've done this, but it's, it's so interesting because you see what Texas is turning into offensively. We saw it in the Peach Bowl, and, or not the Peach Bowl, sorry, in the National Championship game. And in the Notre Dame game, this RPO stuff, Brady, it's fascinating. It's really intelligent. It, it really, really is. But the things at the same time, too, and you'll understand this, it's tough to run from a mental – like, Mac Jones and the him running, the way he – how successful it was is so impressive that it's it, – like, I just don't think, you know, immediately he Sark's going to be able to jump in the Texas and do that. Like – Look back at Oklahoma's 2015 offense. How how air raidy was that? Lincoln had to continue to evolve as a as an offensive coordinator. That 2015 offense, I mean, they were throwing shallow crosses. They were not. I mean, they weren't just chunking it deep a ton. You know, like they do now and they've done in the past. They abandoned the run game a whole lot too. They did in the Texas game uh, that season. So, but no, and I, I think you know talking about Oklahoma for next season, this is going to be my case in point is we've seen you know people that are going to say Texas is a threat this and that. We've seen how diff what when guys aren't mentally sharp how much that screws up an offense that you have to be mentally sharp in. Yeah. And that's that's my biggest complaint about Texas is that I don't know if they have the quarterback for the re- that right now. They don't have Quinn Ewers committed either. And so that's going to set them back. They got to rebuild that offensive line room. I don't care what anybody says. But it's not crazy to say that like Personally, for me, like Texas is a top twenty-five team for next year. Like, I the, the they were probably a top twenty-five team this year. Yeah, sure. And so, but that's a good thing. Like, again, the Big Twelve. This is a great. I know we're going to get into the uh, 
you wanted to get an A and M thing, but I think this is a great topic. The I, pretty, I personally think the Big 12s. This might be the best the Big 12 has been since 2013. I think so, just because there is a clear cut great number two team. It's great no, number two it's team. It's no longer well. Texas has all this coming back, or OSU has all this coming back, or. Baylor surprised all of us. Maybe no, no. Like there is a clear-cut great number two team, and a team that, if things fall their way, and they beat the big dog in the regular season, or if they you know lose to OU but then beat them in the Big Twelve championship, then they could realistically get into the playoff because the committee respected the hell out of Iowa State, especially yeah. after destroying Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. If they can follow that up with a, at least a one-loss season, they're in the they're in the playoff. If that one loss is in the regular season, so I'm pulling. They up, have to beat Iowa, though. I'm pulling up the Big 12 standings. 2014, the Big 12 was pretty good. Kansas State was good. They're the third team, but Baylor and TCU were top ten teams. Yep. But Oklahoma was five and four, second in the Big 12. That was their eight and five, eight and five season. Like I'm just going through these the standings. I can't look at a time that. I just don't know when the Big 12 is this good. Like Oklahoma State, I we guess have said, 2011. We would have said 2018 if Texas didn't lose to West Virginia. But I can't remember how it worked out. I don't know. If Texas beat West Virginia, would Texas have played somebody else in the Big 12 title game? No, I don't think so. Because I remember that opened the door for like, oh, OU just wins out, and then they're in with a rematch. Well, I think if Oklahoma would have won out, they would have been in with head-to-head against the second team anyways that year, if I remember correctly. Okay, that's probably right. Um, but, yeah, I think 2018 was probably the so best tw- that it looked because OU and Texas were the one, two teams. Unfortunately, Texas just... In 2011, the Big 12 had four teams that had over 10 wins, that had 10 wins at least. Oklahoma yep. finished 16th in the rankings, Baylor 13th, Kansas State 15th, Oklahoma State finished. That was their... Probably would have not. No, they wouldn't have won it. But they would have gone to the national championship and looked pretty good doing it. So, um, but I'm just keep going back and through this, man. Like, like if TCU is smart and TCU goes and they are smart and they go ahead and pull the plug on Max Duggan and start Chandler Morris next season, which is not going to happen. And they get a good offensive coordinator in there that is going to develop an offense around Max Duggan's strengths. TCU is going to be really good next year. Iowa State's going to be really good. Texas has a chance to be an 8-3, and 9-4 and four team next year, I think. They're a wild card. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And Oklahoma State, like, I know a lot of people are not talking about, like, Oklahoma State's going to have two good bookend tackles. I don't know how long Trace Ford's going to be hurt. Losing Calvin Bundich hurt for them. Um, one, probably one of the better pass rushers in the Big 12, but was a specialist guy. What's the over-under for amount of games until Gundy benches Spencer Sanders for his kid? I think that they're all in. From what I understand, they're all in. Like, I heard some intel For today. For Spencer? Yeah, I heard some intel today on Oklahoma State, actually, that try to be as... I'm, sh- I'm sure they're all in in January, but once September rolls around and he's, you know, dropping the ball on oh, the ground... You know who Oklahoma State has, what who they have in non-con, right? Next year? Who? Guess where they have to go on the road to. Who? Boise. They're going to Boise? They got on the road to Bo- Boise next year. That is a loss. Yeah. That, that is a straight it, loss. Early, early in the season. I have um, no idea how good Boise State is, but that is well, a loss. Well, them losing Ogbong Bamiga, I think, was their biggest loss so far. The, I don't know who they have behind them. I know the Harper brothers or twins were pretty good. They even uh, lost Dylan Stoner. Yeah, no. They Why? Katie <laughs> Nixon, did you see that? The Katie Nixon kid from Colorado that's from, I believe, DeSoto at a high school. That He was very interested in Oklahoma. And it yeah. never worked out, but... 
Like, that's a guy like Oklahoma State. My God, go get that guy. Like, he, him and Brennan Presley together would be unbelievable. Or Bra- I don't know if it's Brennan or Brax. I don't know which one's which at this point. But it's just – it's so crazy that, like, heading into a season, Brady, that I am this confident. And I'm going to say this, and I truly believe this, that the Big 12 is going to be the toughest conference in the, in the, big, in the college football next year. Mm, the problem is going to be, is it going to be respected as such? Here's the problem. Iowa State plays Iowa. Texas plays at Arkansas. Yeah, they got to they've got to win non-conference conference games. games. Yeah, and oh, you Kansas, plays Nebraska. Kansas State plays <laughs> Kansas State plays Stanford in Dallas. Oh, excuse me, be, we we play Tulane. That's our big non-con that is, game. Hey, I I remember when I said that. I said that about two months ago. I said the Tulane game is going to be the tougher non-conference game. It's going to be like yeah, no, the, if the spread offense option yeah, is hard to. It's it's weird. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think. I, I missed one. So Oklahoma State goes on the road to Boise. TCU plays SMU. That that's never that's not going to be a gimme. Um, no. Tex- mean, Texas has Ar- on the road at Arkansas. Iowa State has Iowa. I don't know who else. Who uh, West Virginia? Does Baylor have anybody? West Virginia has a tough non-con. I think they play Virginia Tech and somebody that's pretty. Baylor good. is kind of my team that I'm circling. Like as I'm a, with you, just because I respect that staff. And they just hired a B- BYU's offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, which is, I, mean, I don't, I don't. It's not that I don't even hate that hot that BYU OC hire. I mean, I I like it. That's where they need to go. And well, what's his name is not he transferred right? Their quarterback, Charlie yeah, Brewer. But they're. I think that they were planning to move on. Good because if they want to take an, another step, they need. They need more versatility. So we'll find out. West Virginia goes on the road to Maryland week one, who looked a little bit better this year with Talia at quarterback. And then they – and then I West wish Sark started off with Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> and then West Virginia also hosts Virginia Tech at home. West Virginia is not a buyer into the we're going to play a soft non-con. But here's the problem for West Virginia next year. They go on the road to TCU, go on the road to Oklahoma, go on the road to Kansas State, and go on the road to Baylor. Those like are all that losses. Is bad, Those bad, are all losses. That's bad news bears. They they should be improved next year, even losing the Stills brothers, but they and Tony and Tony Fields and Mike. But no, Brady, I'm I'm so excited, like I can't even put it into word like week in, week out, and I think this has been a big complaint of yours, and it was at one point this season. The Big Twelve has not prepared Oklahoma for the postseason. It hasn't. But this year, it's going to. It's it's more maybe more than any conference like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, anybody. The Big Twelve is going to prepare Oklahoma more for the postseason and from a physicality standpoint, from a talent perspective, from a quality team perspective. And I think that is whenever whenever we're talking about Oklahoma this offseason, I think that's extremely important to know because in the past, like we've talked about, it hasn't prepared. The only, the one time I felt Oklahoma was prepared was twenty seventeen, and that was because TCU was really good and Lincoln just beat the piss out of them yeah so that's uh that's there's my there's my segment on the big 12 being the toughest conference in college football next year we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that I've, i'm pr- i feel pretty strongly about that right now it'd be a good gauntlet it would be nice to have the damn uh, schedule released at any time any time would be great well you know why they're doing it and written credit red dirt sport he nails it it's like they they just everybody's, don't know the future they don't know what the yeah, yeah. they don't know what the future's gonna hold right now i mean how can you put a well, schedule nothing stopping them from releasing a schedule and then having it for six months, and then realizing, oh, we can't, we can't do a normal season just yet. So let's scrap that. Sure. And here's the new one. Or you could just do the Big Ten route and act like you know, cancel, release the schedule, cancel it, bring it back out, play six games next year, make it to the playoff. If you're I, I mean, imagine if the Big Twelve did something like that next year. Like, well, you know, we just said where there is a legitimate number two great team. There was no legitimate number two team in the Big Ten. There was. 
some nice team. Like, Indiana was nice. They're not a playoff team. Yes. Yes, you're right. And since I've taken... Even if their quarterback didn't get hurt. I like that guy. Since I've taken over the segments here, Brady, I have to bring up that I am in a very happy mood. The Thunder looked like a team tanking last night. No, they just look like a team playing the Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) When LeBron plays like that, They look like a a bad team playing the Lakers. Yeah, they... uh, I, that last night gave me hope that Preston knows what he's doing. I mean, Preston, dude, y- y'all just y'all getting <laughs> so overwhelmed after eight nine games in a. Albeit, it's a seventeen Cunning- game. Scene. Have you watched Kate Cunningham play? Yeah, he made an awesome play against. God, Kansas. he's good, man. Yeah, I don't need to watch him play college basketball to know that he's good. Like I, I get it. Uh, Chisholm Holland called it, and I think it's perfect, and I can't not unsee it. Or I can't unsee it. Um, Penny Hardaway with a jump shot. Man. Perfect comp. Pretty good. Yeah. Except he's 6'8". Like, Penny wasn't that big, right? Penny was big. He was? Yeah, he was like Magic Johnson. He was the second coming of Magic Johnson. See, my dad, dad, anybody talks about, like, crossovers nowadays. My dad always brings up that Penny Hardaway, to this day, has the best crossover. Or dribble something. Penny, Allen, Kyrie, I mean, who's an idiot, but... Yeah, what is – oh, my God, they traded for I, – I know I was going off on this. He's on a the, fool. I, w- I went off on this on Twitter, Brady, but, like, what is Brooklyn doing? Like, they're that keeping makes no Kevin sense. Durant happy. But that makes no sense. They like, ke- they're keeping Kevin Durant. It's, that's, there's your sense. They're yeah, keeping KD happy. Yeah, but at the end of the day, though, like, you just forge your future, and you don't even know if Kevin Durant's going to be there long term. Well, they think getting James Harden will – make him stay long term or highly encourage him to stay long term. Do you think anything They don't care about Kyrie. <laughs> Before we get back to football, you think anything happened there with them thinking Kyrie may not play? I don't really think they care. Yeah. They they've got their ball handler, they've got their unicorn freak athlete and Kevin. Kyrie was just basically there to get Kevin to come according to what they've done. They hired Kevin Durant's boy as their head coach, Steve sure. Nash. Who I'm like, Steve Nash is a phenomenal basketball talent. He's a phenomenal basketball mind. but And it's not without precedent that somebody just steps off of something into a head coaching role in the NBA. It's not like football where you have to work through the ranks of the coaching staff to get to the head coaching position more times than not, if not every time. But that that hire just still stank of, oh, they're, they're just wanting to keep Kevin Durant happy. And I guess I don't blame Kevin Durant's – one of the best players of our generation, if not the best player of our generation, depending on your opinion of LeBron. And you've got to do everything you can to keep him happy. And unfortunately, he is just a uh, a volatile personality. So you got to cover your bases. The, the Nets are just covering their bases. He likes James Harden. He wants to play with him. All right, bring him over. He likes Steve Nash. He's We need a head coach. Hey, Steve Nash is smart. Hire his ass. I just – I'm at a point where, like – I'm going to hate Brooklyn so much because, and this is stupid for me to say this, but, like, James Harden hurt Russell Westbrook's reputation last year from the aspect of how he kind of dealt with how that thing ended. It just, he's a, he, that was such, it's such a loser mentality, man. Like Russell's reputation, I don't think, was hurt. I think everybody has the right idea of what Russell Westbrook is. I think the only reputation that got hurt was just James got his got hurt worse because it was the third time. Dwight Howard, did, Dwight Howard didn't want to fucking play with him. Chris Paul didn't want to play with him. But you're like, Dwight Howard's kind of weird. Chris Paul's a drill sergeant, so maybe they just didn't mesh with James Harden. Russell Westbrook and James have been boys since they were kids. 
and they he doesn't want to play with them. So that's the that's your third strike, and you're out. No one wants to play with you, James, because no one wants to watch you crab dribble for DeMarcus 18 Cousins, seconds. Demarcus Cousins may have beat his ass if they would have been at practice. He beat his ass in the press. Did you see what he said? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. This league. This league. Um, no, and I want to ask you this. This is the first time since 2011, and I brought this up to Josh that, and we talked about this. You stop bringing up that season, man. I hate that year. I know, but like, does that give you any pause? Like all these expectations, expectations in Norman haven't been this high since that year. Expectations were high from 16 to 17, but we've talked about how this team doesn't really resemble that 16 to 17 growth. It's more like the. 13 to 14 which is scary because of what 14 became but that's not we're not trying to sit here saying that oh 2014 is going to happen but in terms of where the program was left off in 2013 and the strides that team made even with some losses culminating with a big gigantic bull win that I don't need to I don't want to talk about but that offseason was just you know the sky was the limit that was actually the year I graduated from OU and at commencement at Memorial Stadium you know David Bourne's Dumbass standing on the stage. Oh, fuck David Boren. He's he's standing on stage and you know like it's like Gabe Eichard graduated with me and he was the student athlete. You know, you know he earned it. I guess you know he was smart. He had a good GPA, <laughs> um, but he was getting honored or something. And so David Boren was talking about the athletes, the athletes, student athletes, and then he brought up and beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and stuff and. My dad texted me because he was in the crowd. <laughs> he was like, it was the fucking Sugar Bowl. What are we, Boise State? And then, of course, 2014 happened. It's not the case with this this season, I don't think. I think OU understands what they are. But in terms of the hopeful expectations, it's very similar. So, I mean, I don't know. 2011 doesn't give me any pause. I think OU's... I think OU's got a chance, but like we said, they're fairly thin. Maybe some guys step up that we don't know, but also we're depending on a lot of things to happen, and depending on a lot of things to happen with a college football team is you can, you know, you can wish in one hand and do something else in the other. Sure, and I'm I'm kind of at the point where this thing, like we're not going to know about Oklahoma until that Iowa State game. Unless it ha- if it happens before Texas, we'll know. The Big Twelve is smart; they'd put it before the Texas game, right? I mean, top five matchup, top six. Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, but they have to beat Iowa <laughs> because I know, every what, I every know, year it's nuts. You know, and Iowa's Iowa be State good. Lose, Iowa State loses to Louisiana this year. Why? Because they didn't play Iowa. They had to have their one loss in a season where we had expectations it's for them. Wild to me. It's so wild to me. They. Uh, I'll say this about. Just about the outlook on Oklahoma. I said this, and I'm confident saying this, and I remain confident saying this. I think Oklahoma and Georgia are going to end up playing each other next year. And this is wild, though, because I think there's a pathway to two Big 12 teams making it, which is weird. But it's going to take, you know, Iowa State losing and Norman winning the Big 12 championship and Oklahoma not. But I just don't see, like, I, I see Georgia making it out of the SEC, Brady. I see Clemson. Is Georgia just replaced Florida with Georgia with you? Yeah, I think so. Because you are so high on two things. JT Daniels, who is 
I mean, he's okay. Like, he, he's no better or worse he's, than Jake he's a, Fromm. He's a third, fourth-round quarterback, yeah. He's no better than that guy. Second, late Also second. understand that Georgia's history, especially recent history, of developing quarterbacks is not good. Because the other thing that you're high on. He's offensive coordinator, though. Because the other thing you're high on is Todd fucking Munkin? Yes. Really? Yes. You're, gonna, you're, going, to, you're going to strap your wagon to Todd Munkin. I, I think I am. Why? I think so. Because because, because because the Florida game because I broke because after breaking that game down there were receivers running wide open and I know it's Florida, but and then you go to the Alabama game and there was receivers open too, you know and it's just they just I don't get why Kirby Smart didn't roll with J T Daniels earlier and I know he has to understand the playbook but I just don't I, I we don't we don't pass the ball down here yeah and then they started just airing it out and it's gonna hurt their defense like don't get me wrong I know that but. Like you look at Georgia's schedule, Brady, and I, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, their, their schedule is soft. Yeah, like, I, I expect them to it's at the least four, lose a game. You know that. Like yeah. I'm not going to come out here and start saying stuff unless I have a full reason to believe it. Florida proved me right with winning the SEC East. They didn't make the playoff, which was which kind of hurt the prediction a little bit. But Kyle Pitts being out for a game kind of I think hurt that that possibility in the LSU game. But again, there's Oklahoma is in as good a position as anybody. Their schedule's not very good. They get Iowa State and Norman. You get Texas first year, new quarterback, installing a new system. Are they going to be probably better than what people think? Probably. Sarkeesian's actually a pretty good football coach. And and, and But the different – how do I say it's about Sarkeesian? Sorry. Going back on the Texas thing real quick. Herman, we all knew that his offense, he was going to need four years to be able to get the players and physicality, strength, conditioning, everything in. Like with Sarkeesian, he just needs good athletes and a smart quarterback. And I think he finding that quarterback is going to be key number one. Key number two is finding the, is getting that offensive line good. So Texas could potentially surprise some people next year, but Oklahoma's schedule is just so it's so in favor. You get TCU and Norman Brady, Iowa State and Norman. Have to go on the road to Oklahoma State, a place that you you win all the time. Don't have to go to Mount. Don't have to go to Morgantown. Um, have to go on the road to Kansas State though, which obviously. Lincoln Riley beating Chris Kleiman is going to have to happen. But they, just everything is pointing in the direction of Oklahoma doing this thing. It's just a matter of them finding the offensive line that can do it. And it's crazy to think that. And this is this is nuts, Brady, what I'm about to say. And it's January. And this isn't me being a hater. This isn't anything at all. But if the offensive line isn't as good as what it's typically been, do you start questioning Bill Beanbo? No, did you, you remember – in our Cotton Bowl post-game show on Patreon, where we like super early projected 21, and I told you my biggest worry and my biggest concern for 21 not winning a national title was because of the offensive line. Like they they have to be better than what they were this year, and in what the they were before. this and what they were this year and the year before was pretty damn good. Yep. Like every school except for like maybe three or four schools this season and last season would have killed for an offensive line what OU had and trotted out the last two years. But they have to be better, especially with Spencer Rattler, because maybe he just cleans up his pocket awareness. Maybe he just cleans up his feet, his feet or his, his footwork. But if he doesn't, I mean, the offensive line needs to – they just need to have cleaner pockets than what they showed. They need to be more consistent. They can't get drive-killing penalties. Uh, they've got to drive off the ball. They've got to be able to run the GT counter with precision much, much better and much more consistently than what they did this year. And – they're losing two of their better players in Creed and Adrian Ely. So for us to just sit here and assume that that's going to happen is, 
I mean, that would be fanboyish, and I'm a fanboy, but I try to be realistic. And you're not a fanboy. I'm excited for Andrew Rame. I'm hopeful Stacy Wilkins can step up, and maybe splitting up Swenson and uh, Anton Harrison, if that's if that's the case, maybe that does bring out the best if they're all out there at the same time instead of rotating. But I mean, I got to see it. But I'm not sure. gonna. I, I won't question Bill Bimo because even if they don't take a next step, I'm expecting them to be basically what they were this year, which is, again, one of the best offensive lines in the country. It was. It was interesting not to see them on the semifinalists for the Jim Moore Award. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think they lost two games. They must have not have blocked well. <laughs> well, it was weird that PFF kept giving them such good grades, and it's like, man, you watch it. It's just, I'm not sure. You know, and – we can definitely get into some of the intel I've heard on PFF, which makes well, it's you... it's like, how are they grading them? Yeah, and it just makes, well, when you hear that they don't grade every single play, like what Steven and I do, it they just gr- grade plays that people are a part of. Yeah. Like, that just... And then even then, it's not every play that a person's a part of. It's just... It's weird, and I don't know how to take it, um, but some of these, like highest grade against man pressure or whatever with this Nats like are we are you sure <laughs> are are we positive on that so it's uh that's where we're at Brady I'm uh that's all I got for you there's my well, talking points tonight well I there was one thing that we needed to address and it's the portal mm. but let's uh let's introduce the portal talk <laughs> we need a stargate noise or something I don't know if a stargate actually makes a noise but Let's introduce it with this. I'm still mad that OU played Florida, not Texas A&M. Mm. Now, does a bowl game against two schools does does that does that lead to recruiting battles being won for the school that won that game? No, that doesn't guarantee anything because, as we've seen, high school recruits, you know, they care about what's going on in the moment, but one or two losses will not. For the most part, if they're committed, if they want to go to a school, one or if that school loses one or two games, they're not going to just say, "Oh, I'm going to go somewhere else," because that sucked. That was embarrassing. For the most part, they stay they stay put. But OU would have thrashed A and M. The way A and M played North, against North Carolina in the Orange Bowl, they would have dis- defiled Texas A and M. And yeah, well, it would have made losing Bryce Foster, because I think he was probably going to A&M anyway, would have made losing Bryce Foster a little bit easier. And should we save that for Patreon, or should we, what you know, concerning the portal, should we save that for Patreon, or people are probably already know what I'm talking about already. I think we brought it up. But by the time we get to Sunday, I mean, this will probably already be done. So I'll leave that to your discretion. I just I I just wanted to say that oh you would have destroyed A and M. So they're frauds. Let's say this: A and M's defensive line would have been a problem to deal with. I think I've said this on this podcast. Their defense was pretty good. Safeties weren't as good as what people led they, them out to believe. They always have good players for some reason, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> their offensive line was pretty good. I think they were a little bit overrated. Quarterback was overrated. So I think Oklahoma would have had the edge in terms of the coordinator matchups as well as at quarterback. Jimbo Fisher does nothing for no. me either. So No. He's and just a snake oil salesman. So Oklahoma would have won. I think it would have been close. Probably touchdown, 10-point game. But I, it's weird to think, though, Brady, 
people are going to hate me saying this, but like, A&M's kind of heading in the right direction. No, it's, they're they're heading in the right direction. They're, they're like, getting good weird. players. Yeah, and they've got and they're developing a, them. They've got a snake oil salesman as head coach, and if you can keep him and get good players in the beginning, you can start accruing more and more and more and more. But they're not beating Alabama. They're not beating in Georgia if they're really good, like you think they're going to be next year. They're not beating if Florida was really good or if LSU was really good. They're not. They're not there, and I don't even think they can even get there. Because at that point, you're splitting hairs. When Alabama, great Alabama, plays great LSU, you split hairs. When great Georgia plays great Alabama, you're splitting hairs. And you get down into not just, you know, they have X, Y, Z at these positions, and they're all five stars, and they're all great players. Well, it's like, what's on the sideline? What's the depth like? What's the coaching like compared to their opponent? And that's why A&M, like, if they find themselves in a big game, against an OU, against a Georgia, against an Ohio State. They're just going to get run. They they barely beat North Carolina. And I know North Carolina is kind of a cool little story, and we all kind of think highly of them because of Mac Brown, and he's old and whatever. Oh, I think they're going to be pretty good next year. And they got a good quarterback or whatever, but their defense sucks. And A&M, they played a, like, a mid-2000s SEC-type game against sure. them. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. Where it's just boring. There was like a few big plays, but it was it was a byproduct of bad defensive play. It wasn't a byproduct of offensive ingenuity or expertise. It was just, oh, I fell down. Oh no. Well, I, I'll I'll put it this perspective. I had, I have A and M at number six in my like top eight. Like there's clear there's a clear top eight for next year. Yeah. Right. A and M's at number six, but that's a, like the least confident I am in a team. You know, like I think I know more about Iowa State. I think I know more about Cincinnati. A&M's talent, you know, they're just recruiting at such a high level right now. It's hard to ignore their development that they're having with players. Guys are coming back. You do lose Kellen Mond, but kind of addition by subtraction if they can pick up a guy in the portal. I saw a guy that came in the portal from a very from an FCS in Virginia. I forgot what school it was. South Carolina offered him. He's pretty good. Like, like I was like, man, if A&M or Texas. See, if you need a quarterback through the portal to start, you're not in a good spot. No. OU needs a quarterback from the portal, but that's for depth because Spencer Rattler's backup is a true freshman. Yeah, no, Albeit sure. the best quarterback in the country, but you want depth. Yeah, no, well, well we can definitely get into – we can we can spend some time talking about what Caleb Williams and the offense with him is going to look like because I think it's going to be a little bit different. Um, yeah. If we can talk about that this offseason or, in, you know, leaning into camp, whatever. Well, but it's uh, – no, I, I just – I think Oklahoma, man, they're such a. It's. What do, what do they need in the portal? Oh, they got to get Morris. I mean, that's crazy. Like he's. I'm not saying he's the final puzzle piece, Brady, but <laughs> it's pretty damn close to saying that. I mean, you could put him at left tackle, Certainly. put Harrison at right. You just, got just your three like, guys in the middle, and you're fine. Just like how he said that, you know, you hate to lose Ramondre Stevenson, but that loss like that it, it's softened by the fact that Kennedy Brooks is going to be here just like with Ronnie Perkins leaving that sucks but hey Jalen Redmond's going to be here so that's going to add to the depth it's going to add to just the overall play of the unit of the defensive line you hope Morris comes to OU through the portal that softens the blow of losing an Adrian Ely that softens the blow of losing a Creed Humphrey in terms of this should help solidify the unit, put everybody where they need to be to give out the best product possible, and then you move forward. But Morris doesn't come here. 
then we're just back to where we were talking about with the offensive line <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah, it's, it's a just major like, eh. question mark. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference between them winning a national championship or not. I mean, it's that important. So I'm. That's where we're at, Mr. Trantham. Any quarterbacks through the portal that you? I don't think they'll take one. I think Tanner Schaefer may come back. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to our Vanessa House Inside OU podcast. Once again, we are at Vanessa House every Thursday around 5.30 or 6 o'clock or so. Um, But come check them out, guys. Um, Great beer, great atmosphere. Like I said at the beginning, their new vanilla stout, Powers Out, is going to be dropping tomorrow, and it is very tasty. It's very smooth, not overly thick, not overly heavy. But if you want something tasty and something that will probably screw you up, make sure you get a ride home. But come out to Vanessa House and have some, have some uh, fun. Some ha- say hi to Zach, Andrew, Evan, Nick. You know, they'll take good care of you, just like they take good care of us. Uh, but, yeah, uh, next time we talk to you, we will be talking to our patrons on Sunday. So, once again, subscribe to the Patreon if you're interested. we got a few more uh, patrons. I think we're up to 70 now. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility, Keegan, to maybe shoot for 100 by the end of spring football. Patrons? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be we'll, – we'll drag all of you in here pretty quickly. I'm here for the Patreon podcast where we reveal that, uh-oh, OU's lifting weights. <laughs> <laughs> they're, gonna, they're focused. They've got finish banners in the weight room. Oh, no. What I can't wait for, <laughs> Maybe Brady? they shouldn't have finish banners. Maybe they should have, like, start better and play better in the middle. So since, since I – Continue. This should be the banner. Just continue. So since, how do I say this? Continue, but finish much better. Since I will be on the outside looking in, it's going to be very fun to have podcasts. Let me just say that. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's always they, fun. Uh, the, once the seven-on-seven seven starts up and we start hearing about guys, there's reports about guys just balling out in seven-on-seven. Seven. I can't wait. Well, they I look can't, great in basketball shorts. I can't wait. Awesome. I can't wait either. So stay tuned next Thursday for the free pod at Vanessa House or subscribe to the Patreon for some more goodies, more in-depth stuff, more stuff we, we can't talk about publicly. Film, film Fridays. Back tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. No, no, no. Sun, Saturday. Well, we will be doing that. But yes. Film Fridays is back tomorrow. Film, oh. We will, we, I will try to do what I did this last offseason for as long as I could. I'm at least glad. provide something on every Friday. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. In addition to our Patreon podcast on Sunday, we will be doing our basically our 2020 rewatch with the uh, all 22 footage mm. that Keegan mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be starting with Missouri State. Missouri State's off the offense from the Missouri State game. We don't need yeah. to we don't need to watch the defense from that well, game. Well, uh, we don't get to say see Joseph Wete. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly refuse to watch that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll put out a video uh, for everybody to watch on Patreon, but we appreciate patrons. We appreciate our regular listeners. Thank you all so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, and we'll talk to you later.